Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, your first question is about Brumby's wild horses. And it comes from Debbie. She has a three-year-old wild-caught Brumby stallion that she's had for four weeks. She's trying the approach and retreat, and she's reached a stalemate. She's got his bubble down to about 60 centimetres and she's just finding that he's not, she's not making any more progress. He gazes off and sometimes shuts down so much that he dozes off. And then she finds that she'll get more interest for, from him if she turns and walks away rather than backing away when releasing. He's mm-hmm. sniffed her hand on occasion when she offers it, but immediately turns his head away with his ears back. I feel he's wanting to make connection, but is having difficulty making the last step. Is there anything that she can do to maintain his attention and help him in trusting her? Yep. Uh, now I'm only jumping. I'm not jumping. I, I won't. I try not to jump to conclusions, but I'm. There's a little bit in there that I'm going to have to sort of guess upon. Um, so I'm going to guess upon the fact that um, that you may be doing this at liberty, and he hasn't. He's not at the stage you can get a handle rope on him. Um, obviously because by the sounds of it, you, you're sort of still at that stage where you can't quite get in on him. Um, the next thing is because of that, the approach and retreat is you and you doing an approach and retreat with him, you know, him standing, you walking backwards and forwards. Uh, so firstly, what I'll say is, um, I think that what you've just noticed you've, you've 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 sort of noticed something which is if i turn around and walk away he follows intent is very strong when we're working with horses so if you're um looking at a horse and you're walking backwards and forwards just looking at it the horse knows you're not going anywhere there's no intention in you but you're just walking backwards and forwards creating distance and then walking up so eventually so sometimes, you know, you turn around and walk away to make the horse feel like you're going somewhere. And because you've turned around, you're going in a direction. The horse sees that as something. You walking backwards and forwards is not going anywhere, which means you're not drawing the horse to come out and follow. Some people say that if you're staring at a horse, it threatens them. You know, you get some horses that by turning around and, and leaving, they see you leaving so they get more confident because they see the intention of you going away. You staring at a, a horse and walking backwards and forwards is no different imagine a like imagine a, okay here's a situation just put yourself in some sort of david Attenborough, uh you know or natural geographic type sort of documentary you imagine it you imagine a, a um a prey animal and a predator you imagine sort of some sort of wolf walking in watching something and backing off watching something now you imagine if you were the the prey animal and then you're standing there looking and you're not sure what to do the wolf's still staring and the wolf backs off and then the wolf comes forward well imagine if that wolf turned around and walked away i'll bet you you'd take a breath so by turning around and walking away the intention is i'm going away when you're staring at something going backwards and forwards there's no transition it's only space you're creating your focus is in the one direction so 
It's easy to draw a horse to follow if your intention is to go somewhere. And you can't go somewhere staring at something else because it's not really natural for us to go away staring at something. So faking going away is not true to the horse. Going away is true. I'm going that way and I'm thinking that way. So when you do approach and retreat to get like wild horses to follow, don't like stare and go backwards and forwards though you can and i'm not saying it's going to do the wrong it's not going to be all that bad you're still going to have some positive responses but if you want to create a bit of interest and draw in them turning around and walking has a realness about it that draws the horse into the conversation and wanting to follow gives them a bit more confidence takes the takes the pressure of staring off uh and and they see you believing in you going somewhere and that because it's real because it's a direction they may be inclined to want to walk and follow. So, so I, I find it very good um, to get horses to want to follow by just going, turning around and forgetting about the horse and walking away and then turn back later and see what happened. Because <laughs> a lot of times you'll find that they go, oh, I might just follow a bit. And they, because of your intention, like your intention is everything sometimes, um, you know, it's just off track, but not too far. Cause I know I do get off track sometimes. Uh, I've seen people put pressure on a horse and, and get a horse worried. And I've seen someone else put pressure on a horse, more pressure, have the horse less worried. But it was what the, the key factor in causing the anxiety or the, 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 tr the trouble in the horse was the intention behind the pressure and what it looked like it was intended to do. So horses aren't as scared of pressure as they are of intention. Um, so in handling doing your approach and retreat, make sure when you are doing something or going away, it looks like you're believing in it and doing it. And that horse will start to really start to recognize, you know, when it, when it could follow you or maybe, maybe not. So that's something to think about. The other thing I'd get you to think about when you're approaching him is um, I think he needs to sort of start to kind of search out a little stronger. So you can start to, instead of, so, so the other thing I say to people when they do approach and retreat, and I think it's really important, and everyone out there that's worked with really, really sensitive horses should maybe take this on board. And I say this to a lot of people that come with sensitive horses to clinics, like really sensitive horses, like the wild horses, you know, the ones that have been, been frightened of people, you know, rescue horses, whatever. I say, just be careful. This horse is going to teach you to be a guru. And they kind of like, what do you mean? I said, well, they go, well, I'd like to be a guru. And I'm like, yeah, I know you'd like to be a guru, but we're trying to teach our horse to be a guru. The more of a guru we become, the less of a guru our horse might become. And what I mean by that is if we just are constantly aware of our approach and retreat and every single signal the horse gives us, then we're doing everything to help that horse let go of some of its worry which means the horse is not doing much except acknowledging the fact we've done something to help them so what that inevitably does for the wild horses the traumatized horses the horses that have been scared of people is we are the only ones that can approach that horse because we're listening so hard we're doing everything in the perfect way to get that horse to accept us which means if we're in a hurry, if we're in a bad mood, if the if the farrier comes in and, and he's in a bit of a hurry that day and he's got to get through a few horses, that horse goes, you're not listening to me, and gets panicked. So 
the better a guru, the more of a guru we become, we might disable our horses from becoming a guru. So approaching a retreat is good, but overdone, it makes us do everything and the horse not quite do enough. So to, to help them, they, to, for a horse to, to truly uh, work under pressure later on and, and deal with the, the faults of humans and, 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 and all the things that go on around humans, they have to become a little bit more uh, curious, still with caution. Uh, they have to make decisions under pressure and then feel good about those decisions so they can cope with pressure and let go of their own anxiety as they're learning. So as you're doing your approach and retreat, there's a point where your horse might turn off and you might think, maybe I should do something. Should I step back? Should I do this? Maybe try and just get his attention and say, hey, maybe bring your thoughts forward to me. And then when he does something, then just wait a little and then step back. So try and encourage him to make a decision. Uh, you don't have to make big decisions like, you know, chase him around until he's so so worried about being away from you, he just follows you around, in, you know, just to get away from the pressure. I don't mean do stuff like that. I just mean draw his attention to you a little bit more. Like when he starts to tip away and do that, maybe do something that slightly shocks him, brings his attention back, and then step back a little bit and say, see, that was good to think through pressure, wasn't it? And, and then all of a sudden, as you approach, he might keep his thoughts towards you a bit. And then you can turn around and walk away. And, and, and because he's got a little bit more curiosity, uh, still mixed with caution, he might just start to follow up a little bit and get him to start drawing out into the conversation a little more. Because if you keep doing approach and retreat really, really good, you may be doing too much and he's not quite doing enough to come out of his shell. When she said that he was um, sort of shutting his eyes, maybe having a little sleep, what was your interpretation of that? That interested me. My interpretation is he's either starting to just, it's the process is taking so long, he's kind of just standing there restful uh, and, and he's either going into a bit of a shutting out phase. Um, some horses go into a restful place where they just rest a little bit because it's been so intense the first part of it and it takes so long and you're there for a while, they start to relax a little bit. Um, but you're going to have to sort of, you know, watch a little bit harder if he starts blinking and there's, you know, some, some rapid eye movement, then he starts to relax and all these, all these different things that are going to happen. Um, he might be just going into sort of a, a bit of a restful state. Um, but I would like him, I would think it'd be important for him to come out of his shell a little bit more. Cause I think he might be just starting to phase out. Sometimes they just phase out a little bit. So I, I'd say it'd be important to get him to phase in. Uh, do something a little more each time and then walk away and reward him for that. So, you know, just to come out of his shell, I think I think um, there's a certain threshold there and I think he can crawl out a little further, I mean, like the turtle, you know, get him to look outside his shell a little bit further because he might be just hiding in his shell there and just got to go, oh, well, this is about as much as I can do now. Mm. And he's he's not happy with her hand. You know, he's turning his head with his ears back. Yeah, because so, she's, uh, she's getting into his space a little bit, and that's the last point. Like, it's the last point of the bubble that, that he's finding difficult. Uh, so when I used to train a lot of horses to, to make, because I was training for clients a lot of the time, you know, I, I couldn't just, you know, do approach and retreat for a long, long, long time because people weren't willing to leave a horse there for that long. Uh you know, just to say, I'll oh, just take, take as long as it takes. I would usually have a way of getting their attention 
using that attention to maybe come out of their shell a little bit, follow me around. But the other thing to break the contact with, especially wild horses that are really sensitive to aura, the aura of the person and the energy because it's kind of real stuff, is you can you can touch them with a stick at a distance so much quicker than you can touch them with your hand. Um, so you can start some tactile things where you kind of bring that stick out. If he turns away, you just get his attention, and as his attention comes around, take the stick away until he keeps his attention in the area where the stick is and you might just gently touch him on the neck walk away uh, but just keep drawing his attention back to the subject and then give him a bit of a break and and so he so he gets rewarded for bringing himself back into the conversation emotionally and he'll come out and maybe sniff the stick then and you can touch him on the shoulder the neck with the stick you can take it away you can get in his space with some sort of touch and then you slowly just shorten that distance up until it's your hand but I would start to say when when you go out and you put your hand towards his bubble, um, you'll get to the point where he starts to go, oh, and he turns away. And right at that point, don't push it in any further. Just do something, get him to draw back into there, and he'll kind of, he'll come back a little bit with his attention, and then you take your hand out of his bubble and then do that again. Because as he brings his head back, he's actually getting closer to your hand. And, and then, you, you know, you can sort of encourage him to challenge himself to sniff out if he just, you know, because if he just gets all timid and does does that timid thing, which they do, the, the, the real sort of, you know, timid wild ones, they'll just, because um, you've got the real full-on focused wild ones that, you know, they put their nose out and sniff and then you've got the other ones that just hide away like like sounds like he's doing. Um, you get him to come out of his shell a little bit, then you take your hand away and you put your hand back again, come out of his shell a little bit, take it away until eventually he'll come out and sniff. But you, if you if you sort of you can reward their timidness by allowing it for too long and then they don't know any other options so they just go back into their shell a little bit so the ones that hide away but by the sounds of it um you know the ones that used to tip their nose into the fence and hide away those ones that are you know they always seemed easier to touch them on the shoulder than than the nose um and that's the other thing is sometimes it's easier to touch those uh down the neck a bit further and then go away and come back it doesn't matter he hasn't sniffed you as long as you notice that he hasn't sniffed you and you have to go, well, actually, I can't do too much handling and have him phased out, but I might just touch and go once or twice just to show him I'm not going to hurt him. And then sometimes you go, oh, nothing happened. And then next time you start to draw the sniff out of him. But um, the ones that turn away and hide a bit, they were always the ones that had more of an inclination to sort of shut out or shut down a bit easier. Um so him kind of going a bit dull might be that's he's that style of horse that could do that so so it's important that you really get him to engage come out of his shell reward him for it as much as you can so touch it touch and go that's quite crucial uh debbie with these wild ones is you don't hang in there when you do make that contact and you don't have to go for the head that might be the last area he lets you in on there might be some other point in his body that he's much more comfortable with can you just talk about little wind mark if you remember that little sure, that was thing. a while ago yeah she was a little 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 horse that i started very very frightened little horse if i can remember it all of it um but yeah she was just one of those horses it took me days it, it took me days to get a hand on her but then you know i was i didn't take that long to get riding her but it took a while to get a trust and if you if you but once she sniffed and she made that proper engagement with me she sort of after that things got a lot easier had i sort of overwhelmed her before she engaged with me anything like that it just would have been a very traumatic experience for her and she probably would have shut out or just just fought uh, but she was a real frightened little little horse 
and um and yeah it didn't take long after things started to, you know after she engaged with me sniffed me and i could touch her that we started to progress with her and and you know within a very short amount of time i was riding her and stuff like that but the first bit took a little bit of time um but in saying that um you know we we you know i still was trying to draw her out of her shell without overwhelming her at the same time so so otherwise if i just took forever just waiting on her and waiting on her um it, it would have took a long time i still maybe got some results but sometimes like what's happening with you the one that you've got is sometimes by taking such a long time without getting that sharp little change in the mind to keep that little electricity in that mind they can start to tap out a little bit I think it's fascinating. I like listening to all the stories um, that you have. I remember, I remember Little Wind. She was a very tiny uh, Brumby, um, very, very short, um, and um, she was incredibly timid. And as soon as you, you could make the slightest noise or movement, I mean, really, the fraction of a hair, and she would just—that's it. She'd be gone, absolutely gone. And that's and why you we called yeah. Little Wind, wasn't it? Little, that's why we called like her Little Wind. wind. Um, she was incredibly quick to just get out of there. And it was, um, and it was, t you know, sort of holding holding your breath for many days, watching you try to get that first contact. Um, and it was, she just was not having any of it. She'd just sort of stand there, stand there, and then boom, gone. And um, and then once you got that hand on her, you were riding her in the like. I can't remember what it was, but if my memory says it was a few days, it was absolutely phenomenal. She just completely went from you know, wanting to get out of your space to completely and wholeheartedly trusting you. And the change was just quite remarkable. Um, so, you know, whatever happened in that scenario, you know, there was obviously a massive mind shift and it, and it worked because it came up with this huge amount of trust. It's just, just amazing to watch. So um, I, will, I think we're going to leave it there. I just, I love the, the topic on, on training wild horses. And if anyone's got any specific questions about about these kind of horses, this is this is Mark's sort of huge area of expertise amongst many. So, um, if anyone would like another episode just on on these sorts of skills, let us know. But um, I hope you enjoyed listening, and um, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.